From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Uh, let's see. Why don't we then um, go into Genesis? Now, we did spend a little bit of time on Friday in Genesis chapter 9. Uh, we saw the sign of the rainbow, which is God's promise to mankind that he will not flood the earth again. I take this as a sign to God that he's not going to destroy the earth again, um, that uh, he will come again and rescue us all. We'll have a new heaven and a new earth before he destroys the earth again. Um, that is, that's what I cling to because there's always threats, right? That there's some one thing, an asteroid, a meteor, um, whatever it is that's going to destroy um, the earth. Uh, I guess I could just say this a little bit without being too crazy, but um, there are a lot of people that believe that the earth is very, very fragile. That one little thing and the earth is going to fall apart and disintegrate. And that's the world that they live in, that, um, that the world is just too fragile, and we have to really work very, very hard to protect a very fragile earth. The way I look at that is that there's a, um, uh, what would you call it, a pyramid or a cone, an upside-down cone, and the ball uh, is sitting on top of that pyramid, and all it takes is that ball to start rolling, and it's going to come crashing down, and everything's going to fall apart. Or you can look at it that it's a, an upside-down bowl, and the ball is rolling around in the upside-down of the bowl, and it's always going to be pushed, but it's all contained within the bowl. It's, it's whether or not the earth is extremely fragile and just waiting for the next thing to kind of push it over the edge, or that the earth as, a, as an ecosystem, a complete system, has, in my opinion, been designed by God to be very robust. A robust means that it um, works together and it fits together. And there might be stresses working on the earth, but that overall, the robustness of the creation of God is such that it can accommodate those stresses, but then work towards an equilibrium situation. Um, that's how I believe the earth was created. I believe that the earth is created by God to be in equilibrium. And yes, we can do lots of things to try to destroy it, but that in its in its grandeur and in its majesty, that God created it to be in equilibrium. And that's how I view the earth, and that's how I view all the processes on the earth. So I do not, I'm not a person that lives waiting for the next thing to wipe out mankind or wipe out the earth or, you know, whatever it is. And I know that there's, uh, you know, there was something, they say, that wiped out the dinosaurs or, you know, the global ice ages or whatever. I mean, I know that there are things like that they have in the past, but I don't believe there are things that God, I just believe in the, in the power of God to, um, to create an earth that is sustainable and livable and uh, doesn't get wiped out at the next thing. That's what I believe, and, and that's kind of what is all-encompassed. When I see a rainbow, that's the comfort that I get, is that God created us, created this earth, and he's not going to wipe it out. It was like a one-time deal, but now that we live safe and secure in the hands and the arms of God, and that's because I believe that God exists and that he created the earth and that he created me and that he loves me, and that's just the way that I live and look and view the world, and that that worldview is not common to a lot of people. Some people, um, for whatever reason, they view the world as very fragile. There is no God. Uh, there is no creative force behind the universe. And so everything 
you know, if if Earth is going to survive, if humanity is going to survive, we've got to you know nip everything in the bud as it comes down. Even though we know one millionth of one percentage of the complexity of the Earth, somehow we're going to save the Earth and. I just think that's the hubris of mankind. The earth is going to live or die whether or not we can, you know, we're just one little speck in history of time of the earth. And um, we don't, we need a little bit more humility than that, in my opinion. But that's, that's what I, that's what I believe. And that's what I see when I see, you know, Genesis 9, that God created the rainbow is that God loves the earth, loves the earth tremendously created the earth to sustain the earth. It's very, very much in equilibrium. And as much as we try to do whatever to destroy the earth, we simply can't. It's impossible. We, we, we're, we're created by a God who foreknew the power of man and put the earth beyond the limits of the power of man to destroy it. Let me put it that way. That's the God created an earth that is beyond the power of man to destroy it. How about that? That's kind of what I believe. And that's what I see when I see a rainbow. So that was, uh, that was Genesis 9. But we can actually go into uh, more of uh, Genesis. Uh, we can go into verse 18 because now we have an interesting little episode with Noah and his sons. So let's just take a look at that. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And these were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders, and then they walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, and he will be his brothers. And he also said, Praise be to the Lord the God of Shem, may Canaan be the slave of Shem, may God extend Japheth's territory, may Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and then he died. So there is so much here. Um, so you have this story about Noah, and he plants vineyards, and he makes wine, and then one night he takes some of the wine that he's made, and he drinks it, and he gets uh, drunk. He gets passed out. Which, um, so there are there are um, people, uh, Christians, very good Christians, who believe that uh, the wine that they had in the Old Testament, the New Testament, was not very strong wine that you couldn't get drunk from it. Well, that is not the truth. Obviously, <laughs> Noah was so drunk he passed out. He drank his wine, he became drunk, and he lay uncovered inside his tent. Um, which uh, Now, we live in the Victorian age. Queen Victoria, who lived at the end of the 19th century, she died at like uh, 1905, I think, in the 20th century, um, brought very much back into English culture and the United States culture the sense of honor, 
uh, the sense the sense of propriety. We live in the Victorian age where nudity is uh, very much frowned upon. It's very much a part of our Western culture. We don't go around naked, but uh, in other cultures around the world, uh, going around naked is actually part of their culture. I've, I've seen documentaries of um, Am Amazon tribes where they, you know, they're not naked, but they're practically naked or whatever. Um, uh, and so the, the Jewish culture, though, is very much a Western type of culture. Uh, we don't go around naked, even though um, that we've seen cultures throughout time that do go around naked. So, for example, uh, at the time of Greece, uh, at the time of Jesus or, and thereafter, the Greeks um, very much celebrated the nakedness of man. and They would even do um, Olympic Games naked and that sort of thing. And necessarily, God created, created us, right? Um, but it's always been part of the Judeo-Christian ethos that, uh, that protecting our nakedness, not showing our naked bodies around is part of who we are. Um, and it, it, it goes back here to, to Genesis, right? We saw when Adam and Eve were naked, they, they you know, God clothed them. Uh, here we have Noah naked, and so his sons cover him up. Um, so is it, is it wrong to be naked? Uh, because there are other cultures uh, that have celebrated nakedness. Um, is, is being naked wrong? Um, I I uh, I would say that in the Judeo-Christian culture, you know, we should honor and respect the the nakedness. But if we go to other cultures and they are cultures that celebrate nakedness, I suppose that's not necessarily evil or wrong. Uh, it's just very much different, um, and we very much are um, influenced by by Queen Victoria and and her. Um, Victorian age that she brought into Western culture. So, um, I yeah, I don't know. That one's that one's a tough one. But apparently, uh, this was something uh, that Noah was very ashamed of. Now, well, I guess it's also appropriate to bring up that this uh, just uh, see what happened. There were three sons of Noah, and they came and they were scattered. Noah, man of the soil. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Now, there are some that have looked at this and have said that, uh, that it wasn't just that he saw his father naked, but that he may have done something also to his father in his nakedness. Some people have seen that also in the story. Um, I don't know if you can read that into the story or not. But whatever he did, it was pretty severe, right? I mean, it was he uh, curses his son, uh, and and this is actually part of the backstory as to why God allows Israel to conquer Canaan is because of this curse of Canaan that, that came down uh, through um, through this incident with Ham. So uh, Noah sees his son, or his son sees him naked. And uh, so the other two sons, they see their dad naked and they cover him up. And uh, that was what they did. Um, and b bless them for doing that. They, they walk in backwards. They don't look at their father naked. They cover him up. They don't give him any shame. Uh, Ham, you almost get the sense that, uh, that Ham is laughing at his dad lying there naked, which would have been a double, you know, dishonor to his father. Um, 
But the other two sons, you know, they don't dishonor the father. And so when Noah wakes up and sees what's happened, he curses his son. He says, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, and he will be, uh, he will be to his brothers as slaves. But praise be to the God of Shem. Uh, may Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. So obviously, um, this sets up the backstory to to Canaan uh, and why Israel conquers Canaan and why Canaanites are uh, are cursed according to the Israelites. Right? It's because of this curse that Ham had to his uh, to his father Noah. So um, this does set up the backstory as to what's going on, and we. Uh, don't get into that yet. That's all in Exodus, which isn't part of Genesis, but it does kind of set it up a little bit. And um, we should honor people, you know, when they're in a in a state of drunkenness. We shouldn't take advantage of them when they're drunk. Uh, you see this in cultures that very much respect the privacy of of other people when they're when they're drunk or naked. Um, that's a when you're when you're that way, people can take advantage of you. And his sons took it. You know, one of his sons took advantage. We should never do that. We should honor our fathers at all time, and that particularly applies when they've grown wine and gotten drunk. Um, some of you may have lived around uh, fathers or mothers who were drunk, and so you've had to deal with that. Um, and that can be a very very difficult thing to deal with to see your parents uh, intoxicated. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with them, how to how to get them so they're no longer in a position of shame. Um, so if you've had to deal with that, my heart goes out with you because that is the heart my heart goes out to you. That is a very very difficult thing to deal with. I know from people that have had to deal with that uh, how much that is impressioned into your mind for the rest of your life and. Um, takes uh, for some people they never get over that uh, some people they they have a hard time honoring their father and mother when they've had to deal with that in their father and mother other people are able to forgive and um, to deal with that uh, in different ways there is no perfect way to deal with that but God is a God of love God is a God of grace uh, his love uh, overcomes you if you've had to deal with that and his love overcomes you know the the parents that have that have put that upon their children uh, because God is a God of love and grace and uh, that's why I so love Jesus because he's able to take even some of the worst situations um, and make them better uh, he's able to help those people who've had to deal with that heal in amazing and fantastic ways uh, I've seen it so um, but but uh, that doesn't make it any more difficult to deal with for those people who really you know and some people uh, have been sexually abused by by parents who have been uh, intoxicated and that's that's a very difficult thing too so um, so if you've gone through that uh, I pray God's grace in your life I pray God's mercy in your life I pray God's power in your life to heal from those situations they're very very difficult uh, but God's grace is more powerful than that so I guess that's probably maybe a good spot to leave it today. Um, I don't know actually how, I don't have my clock up, so I'm not exactly sure how long this is going. I, I will do a better job of that next week. Uh, not next week, but tomorrow. Um, so uh, as we close today, uh, thanks for joining me again today and uh, God's richest blessings. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, uh, thanks for being with us today. We pray for all those still suffering from the pandemic. 
Uh, pray for all those still suffering from the riots. And now, Lord, we pray for all those still suffering from the fires. Uh, protect all of your creation. Be with all of your creation and be with us. Uh, help us to be your hands and feet in this world. We, Lord, pray for those who have um, perhaps been impacted by by parents or loved ones who have gotten drunk, uh, who have done things inappropriate, maybe even evil things. Lord, we pray that you be present in those situations also. We pray for your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for this time together. Uh, be with us until we meet tomorrow. In Jesus' name.